we're having an all-night adoration, the Blessed Sacrament, in the church, Monday, Monday evening through Tuesday morning, the eve of the presidential election. It'll take place after the evening mass, seven o'clock, and we'll conclude with the morning mass on Tuesday. Please do come. We'll give you free coffee, water, no charge. Come pray. We're also having the 40 hours devotion this week, opening on Friday at the 7.30 Mass, and it will conclude next Sunday. And this will be at the noon Mass, the closing. So please note that the Latin Mass next week will not be at 9.30 time, but at 12 noon. This will be a time of grace for our parish, and I hope you will come sometime Friday through Sunday to make adoration time apart from Mass time. There are flyers on the side tables to register for the Call to Holiness dinner. This will be on November 15th. It will be held in Sterling Heights. Our St. Vincent de Paul helpers are having a cookie sale and Christmas bazaar Sunday, November 20th. We need people to bake and we need vendors. They should call according to what is given today in the church paper. We do not have the usual social. We have the pancake breakfast today. The collection will be taken up by the ushers after the singing of the credo. The gospel just sung for you is a passage traditionally entitled The Parable of the Wheat and the Cockle, or more familiarly, perhaps, The Wheat and the Weeds. If I were to speak on it in the usual way, I would perhaps distinguish the work of God, the farmer, from that of the devil the farmer's enemy. Or I might also make some applications of the parable to other concerns of our faith or our time. All that would be fine and appropriate, except for one glaring thing. You and I and our whole country have something very weighty on our minds at this time, heavy on our souls the president election on Tuesday. I can't refrain from speaking on it indirectly, that is to say, not on the thing itself, nor on the political operations which oblige us, but on how our Catholic faith, the thing most dear to us, sheds light upon it and may be affected by it. The underlying issue before us is not one candidate versus another, not one political party against another, but rather a moral crisis that imposes itself on us with its spiritual roots 
and consequences. As I mentioned to our Third Order Carmelite community yesterday, religion is at the heart of the difference in the two presidential candidates, whether this is publicly admitted or not. If God were cast aside and we were to live on ideas proposed by human reason only, let alone by our capricious wickedness, we would have the frightening prospect of a godless world, which is to say a hell on earth. Also, from the religious point of view, this moral crisis is the result of deep, ubiquitous, public, and unrepentant sin. We Americans have become a sinful people, and not in any ordinary degree. We now boast of crimes of such magnitude that the traditional moral doctrine of the church called them sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. And thus we have daily murders in our cities, legal abortion supported by our tax money, at least indirectly, and sodomy recognized as marriage. Moreover, the enforced misery of the underclass through political manipulation and socialistic programs of welfare keep these people in a state of intellectual ignorance and moral degeneracy. Though they're often unmindful of it, another one of those infamous crimes that the church says calls for divine vengeance. The two reigning political parties are divided precisely along this divide, no matter what other issues are up for debate. As a consequence of this, the Catholic Church, which alone upholds the moral order in total agreement with God's laws, is endangered and perhaps may suffer the gravest consequences as a result of this election. How, we may ask, did we ever come to this point? The cause of the national split and the crisis resulting should not be ascribed to the misdeeds of others alone. That would be an evasion. It is by abandoning ourselves to unlawful freedoms which menaces our true freedom, the freedom to be Catholics, the freedom to believe in our doctrines, to act uprightly. It's because we have not put restraints on ourselves that we may have to be restrained. To put it another way, without voluntary repression of base instinct, we will have oppression. 
Our sins are the reason for this dismal prospect. Without our sins, this would be a better world, a better country. Our sins have wounded the sacred heart of Christ. They have scarred our own souls and they have done damage to all other people in society. Our sins. And it's now all caught up to us now. But what are we going to do about it? Shall we do nothing? It's often said that for the triumph of evil, all that's needed is for the good to do nothing. Notice, if you follow the gospel I I sang for you, that the devil sowed his seeds while men were sleeping. There must then be an effective repentance for our sins, for that license of lust and material greed, which have contributed to this national sickness. Atonement has to be made to rebalance the evils we have done by what the scriptures call a crushing of the heart, which is the meaning of repentance, through the affliction of our bodies by penances and fasting, and of our souls pleading for divine mercy. But who's going to do that? We are weaklings lazy, self-loving, and we ourselves are implicated in public sin at least by our relative nonchalance and idle responsiveness. And yet, we add more, our personal sins, and add to that the lax moral leadership of our hierarchy and priests, and we have the formula for the scourge that may well ruin this country and cripple the freedom of the Catholic Church. This is where we are at the threshold of what promises to be a most decisive election time for our future. In the collect for this Mass, I prayed to God, our only hope is to lean on heavenly grace. Our plan in this parish is to have nocturnal adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, as I mentioned, Monday evening through Thursday morning's Mass. If you cannot come to the church for whatever reason, at least let us say this, you ought not to be wasting your precious time watching television, listening to the radio, as if this were some kind of sporting event, wasting hour by hour for the latest score, you'll know the outcome in a short time anyway. We are contending with powerful demonic forces, which, our Lord said, can be overcome only by prayer and fasting. We must do our part with diligence, praying, doing penance, And if we will have done that, then we can only say, to quote the gospel passage, 
We are useless servants. We've only done our duty. And God's will be done. I want to conclude this homily with two prayers of the church that at one time were said after low mass. The first is a prayer for the church and for the conversion of sinners. And the second is a prayer for angelic assistance. I ask you to join me at least mentally as I say these two prayers. O God, our refuge and our strength, look down with favor on thy people who cry to thee. And by the intercession of the glorious and immaculate Virgin Mary, Mother of God, of St. Joseph, her spouse, of the blessed apostles Peter and Paul and all the saints, mercifully and graciously hear the prayers which we pour forth for the conversion of sinners and for the liberty and exaltation of our Holy Mother, the Church, through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.